I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You wanted law and order in this town. You've got it. Randy! Randy! Where's the rest of me? Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. And they say if we'll only avoid any direct confrontation with the enemy, he'll forget his evil ways and learn to love us. There are cynics who say that a party platform is something that no one bothers to read and it doesn't very often amount to much. Whether it is different this time than it has ever been before, I believe the Republican Party has a platform that is a banner of bold, unmistakable colors with no pale pastel shades. A while back along the campaign trail, I was doing a question and answer session when a little girl, couldn't have been more than six or seven years old, stood up, asked a question I'd heard before, but coming from her, it threw me. She said, why do you want to be president? I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. March 30th, 1981. We hear much from Moscow about a new policy of reform and openness. Some political prisoners have been released. Some economic enterprises have been permitted to operate with greater freedom from state control. Are these the beginnings of profound changes in the Soviet state, or are they token gestures intended to raise false hopes in the West? We welcome change and openness. The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ronald Wilson Reagan, February 6, 1911, to June the 5th, 2004, was an American politician who served as the 40th president of the United States from 1981 to 1989. The life of Ronald Reagan, coming soon on 10 American Presidents. I'm Chris Stewart from the History of China podcast, and I approve this message. 
Well, hello, dumpty dummers everywhere. Nicholas Barnes from Vitel here. We're the company that provides, for absolutely no recompense at all, the telephone number you can call in and leave a message on. I just wanted to share with you a new feature we've added. You can now use the same telephone number to record a dumpty dum for the beginning of the show. It's clever, it's cool, and all the hip kids are doing it. Simply call 0203 031 3105 and follow the prompts. You'll hear my dulcet tones guiding you through the whole thing. And when it comes to record the Dumpty Dum, you'll hear it in your ear while you're singing, humming, instrumenting, or, well, however you're performing it yourself. It's that easy. Oh, and it can be anonymous too. Nobody has to know it's you. Go on, give it a try. 0203 031 3105. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Lydia, I have been asked by my friend Lexi to submit a dumpty dum on her behalf because she's at a bit of a loose end. So here we go. Dumpty dum de dum de dum. Dumpty dum de da dum. Dumpty dum de dum de dum. Dum de diddly dum. Dum de diddly. Dum de diddly. Dum de diddly dum. Dum de dum de dum de dum. Dum de diddly dum. Was that okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was Marlena Dietrich. I'm not sure it was sexy. <laughs> it was very entertaining, whoever it's supposed to be, folks. This is Dum de Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that has sent an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the well oiled machine that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the flabby misshape that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Lee's personality transplant folks is you now this week's dumpty dum was from our lexi uh channeled from lydia <laughs> so thank you for that lydia now lucy someone who'd like to send us in a dumpty dum how exactly can they send us that dumpty dum if you would like to sing us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction or just have a chat then call us on 0203 no. 031 3105 or leave us a message on speakpipe Thank you to Yokel Bear and Millie Bell, our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices, and Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Uh, Derek's decided to raise funds for the NHS by running a nude marathon in his garden. Um, it started off as a marathon anyway, but it became hurdles because of the nettles. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I quite like that gag. Well done. On this week's episode, we hear views from Merlin, Margot through the hard tea, Witherspoon, JR, is it Hartley or Ewing, Verity, Dusty, Tony, Fiona, General Stories, back, we're saluting him, New York Nigel and Quilted Bunny. But first, before all that good stuff, it's our Juicy Loose and our week in Ambridge. <laughs> Well, this week in Ambridge, it was Bank Holiday Monday at the start of the week, closely followed by April Fool's Day and October half term. Happy Christmas. We began the week having toast with Roy and Phoebe. 
Roy was just getting the toast out of the tumble dryer when Phoebe announced she could now read Justin. Look, she said, it says on this bit of paper, I am coming to take all your money. Ha, 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 ha. Justin and Phoebe had a meeting. Strange that the other two stooges aren't ever there when Justin is. It's like watching a panther pick off the weakest gazelle. Anyway, (laughs) you could tell the meeting was on site because Phoebe kept saying, on site. Justin told her flatly that the three rewilding stooges scheme for developing the buildings was unrealistic. Not if it works, said Phoebe cleverly. That's like saying unicorns are mythical, but not if they're real. (laughs) Sherlock Tucker (laughs) is slowly getting to the bottom of the Philip thing. Really, Mm. really slowly. Like time-lapse photography, slowly. Roy went to visit Blake and he was gone. Amazing, with a broken back. How the hell did they get him into the van? Or did they just hoist him into the back with a forklift, waving cheerily at the nursing staff the while? Philip then invited... Helen and Roy round to discuss the wedding arrangements and made curries all, curried all sorts, as Krusty put it. That proves what kind of an animal he is. Who curries all sorts? Linda is still being a bit of a grumpy pants. I wish I could do something for Lindy, Robert said. You can, Robert. Stop doing things you think she would like and trotting around the village telling people that you just want to find out what she would like and actually do what she is telling you she would like. However, although she didn't want you to kick Philip Moss in the knackers, we did. So well done, you. Lillian (laughs) popped in to see her and they cackled away together. Justin and I would fight like cats in a sack if we couldn't get away from each other, said Lillian thoughtfully. Well, Canada's sack fighting season starts, ooh, May, I should think, Lillian. We'll look forward to that. Linda Mm. brightened up considerably at the prospect of Mrs. Ellis coming to stay. Who is Mrs. Ellis? Janet Ellis from Blue Peter. I felt a bit bad that I'd never taken any notice of Mrs. Ellis before, as Linda is clearly hugely fond of her. I'm wondering Uh if Linda's accident has prompted her to switch teams, you know. She only sounds pleased when Lillian or Mrs. Ellis is mentioned and deeply unimpressed by all men. I hope I'm right. The life and loves of Linda the Lezzer would be far more interesting (laughs) than whatever's going on at the moment. She'd be a proper 1970s unreconstructed lesbian too, doing exploring your sexuality sessions for the women of the village. She'd have to put a sign up for poor Robert. If the shepherd huts are rocking, don't come a knocking. (laughs) Shula, in between worrying about her baps, is taking her mind off it by doing lots of exercise with her fat horses. I'm sticking very closely to Yakult's weight loss programme, she said. I'm only having a sack of oats for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Poor Krusty, the Job of Ambridge, to add insult to injury, is now having to have a hen night with Helen. Just Mm. Helen. We can have Uh fun, just the two of us, Helen reassured her. I've got some jumpers that have gone bobbly. Shula bashed Kenton's bishop. She said he sounded like a bad imitation of Jim. Even a bad imitation of Jim is preferable to the actual Kenton. But anyway, they worked together to think about what the hell she could say to her baps. She said she was well organized and punctual. He said she was controlling and sensitive. At no point did either of them discuss God, Christianity, faith or other people. So Mm. off she trotted to some clerical hostel somewhere that smells of damp chips to have giggly midnight feasts of Watsits and Jaffa Cakes with an ex-welder called (laughs) Cynthia who'd seen the light. Shula emerged traumatised with her belongings in a little see-through bag to find Kenton sitting on the doorstep. She was delighted as she said she couldn't face that train journey. I'm not entirely sure how she thought she was getting home then, as she got there by train. Were you planning on living with the bishops then, Shula, or what? I'm not sure that counts as well organised, to be honest. 
Who knew that cricket could be such a life-changing game? Mm. Well, personality-changing anyway. For a start, I'd always imagined Tracy as a sort of slightly rounded good-time girl in chunky heels, the sort who wears tights under her jeans to pull everything in. Now, (laughs) she appears to be a sleek fitness monster, 20 Marlboro Lights a day notwithstanding. Lee was a slightly gormless but placid physiotherapist who has now become Windsor Davis in It Ain't Our Fault, Mum, apparently on Tracy's instruction. I'm not sure he'd even have that much testosterone in him, to be honest. Tracy's got way more. Anyway, it was all very baffling as some lunatic had given Tracy a megaphone and she patrolled with that while Lee just worryingly shouted, pump, pump, over and over. (laughs) It wasn't harassment style at all. He just sobs with gratitude if anyone turns up and gives everyone a kebab and a pint as a warm-up just to thank them. On the strength of this, Roman the idiot has persuaded Tracy to consider what he refers to as a coup d'etat. Once Tracy had grasped what a coup d'etat was, and that it wasn't a small animal that lives up in a eucalyptus tree, she was all for it. So I have a horrible feeling we have months of cricketing wrangling coming up. Or do we? Hopefully, mm. this was all happen. This will all happen off mic in the closed season, and we can come back just in time for bloody bonfire night when we'll have Eddie trundling round picking up bits of fence panelling in his tractor, Neil guarding the fireworks, and Emma shouting, "Be careful, Kira!" And things will be normal, and there will still be honey for tea. Thank God for that. The end. Oh, well done, you. Oh. A triumph, a triumph, Lucy. It, and that that was, was a horrible week to write. It really was. Really? Yeah. Well, you managed to still bang these out, considering, you know, you're stretching but yourself with your, if, with all you your other, you know, writing gigs that you're doing for do you Dumpty Dum. You remember the, the, you remember, you know, the Robin Helen I, re, I remember thing. it well. Yeah. Mm. That went on for several decades. And yes. Every millennia, millennia. Every week, every mm. time the scene cuts, so say you had Rob going, No, you d- I need to talk to you, Helen. And mm. then you'd have a scene with Susan and Clary in the dairy, and you'd think, Shut up, shut up, shush. Doesn't matter about that. Let go back to fun. Let's find out what's happening with Rob and Helen. And at mm. the moment, for me anyway, I don't know how anyone else is feeling, this Philip and Gav story is hanging over everything. And I'm resenting any any kind of um, move that, that moves away from that plot to go and do nonsense about that, especially when it is such nonsense about about the cricket team and whatever. Uh, so and so and actually, there's a hell of a lot of the Gavin and Philip storyline mm. and its surrounding elements, like the dinner party with Roy and and um, uh, Helen and all that. Um, that there's very little else to to write about, and that you can't be funny about modern slavery. It's not funny, um, not funny for anybody. Um, so yes, it's all a bit difficult, really. But it's just there's a lot of that storyline in the shows at the moment, but mm. it's just inching along like, you know, it's, it's at a snail's pace. So we're getting like an inch closer to the sort of the the, the denouement um, every episode, but it's agonizing. And I just, you know, I'd even be quite pleased if they if they did a Dallas, you know, and, and someone woke up and it was all a dream. That would be fine. I don't care anymore. I just want it to be over. And if they don't finish it before they go off, that would be awful. Mm. Well, far be it from me to be a foil for you, but... I couldn't disagree more. Oh. I think the setup has been delicious. 
I think... I know, no, 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 I'm not saying they haven't done it well. It's just for me, my personality type is just get on with it. Hurry up. And um, I find it very, very difficult when things are slow. But you're a fan of the archers and you don't I like know. slow things. I know. I know, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm just a masochist, aren't I? I've picked the slowest moving. <laughs> you should be a fan of Neighbours or something. I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're into the wrong docu-soap, yeah. madam. Yeah. It's like, if yeah. you don't like slow stuff, well, I don't know how to help you. Well, that's 25 years of my life gone, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I like it. And what I like is um, the fact that we're all detectives trying to yeah. work out who is going to work this out. Yeah. Is it going to be Harrison? Is it going to be Roy? Is it going to be Linda? Like, they're slightly teasing us. Because most of uh, the time we don't know, and we're trying to figure out who will find out. what. So, like, with... with um, the bloody bunting and the mm. llama, we didn't know. And the um, Nick running over Matt, we didn't know who that was. So mm. all our detective skills were spent on working out how, yes, who it was. The reason this is so agonizing and the reason Rob and Helen were so agonizing is because we know something the other, the rest of the, the rest of the yeah. cast doesn't know. The rest of the characters yeah. don't know. And that's yeah. why it's, it makes me want to pull all my fingernails out. Mm. Well, that must be agonizing. You must be in agony. I am. Doing that. Total so I recommend agony. for you uh, a couple of weeks off the archers. If you're pulling your fingernails out, you need some proper bed rest away from your radio. Am I going to have to listen to flipping Doris Archer twatting on about jam for weeks now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Doris Archer was long dead 20 years ago. I think she, she you know, she's expired. They're only going back 20 years oh, after oh, these archives. Yeah, I think. <gasps> so that'll be it's when only I started then. Years. Cool. No, stop it. You didn't start when John died. You were well into it. Oh, you yeah. started like late 80s, surely. Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, like that's no, like not 30 late plus 80s. years ago. Mid. Well, Mid there you go. So you. No. Le- mm, I don't know. Anyway, it's not 20 years ago. No. 25. I could, I could be wrong, but I'm almost certain they've said they're only going back 20 years with the archive but anyway there's a call about that later on and there's an email about this which i need to read now from purple pumpkin oh all right i'm going to write to share my disappointment with the archer's response to lockdown everywhere i look businesses and volunteers are adapting to covid lockdown being creative and finding new ways of doing things Radio and TV programs are broadcasting for presenters' homes, but the archers will go off air for weeks while they work out how to operate in a world that we all hope would have changed a bit by the time they come back. It just seems a rather poor show to me. Rant over your loyal listener, Purple Pumpkin. I think that's very hard, Purple Pumpkin. Mm. It's A, the BBC has soddle money. Uh, the commercial channels can do what they like. They can change studios. They can fiddle around with things. The BBC is literally, is, is, you know, on its uppers. Um, and they are changing things. But how could you possibly broadcast a multi-channel, you know, multi, multi-voice drama production from different houses to knit it all together? How could, you know, you, you can't do that. Um, I think with 
absolutely no funding, an incredibly small crew, uh, and um, a very committed cast who also became like, like most of the crew, most of the um, Coronation Street actors and the East Enders actors live very near where they record. The Archers people live all over the shop. They record in Birmingham, but they live everywhere. So mm. it's much more difficult to get people together. It's much more, it's just, yeah, it's, a re, it's really, really tough. And I think that's a little bit, little bit harsh. Um, and also they do it every day. Uh, you know, it's, it's that they have a huge output. And yeah, I think they need uh, commending that they're actually, that they didn't just go off and say, we'll come back when lockdown's over. You know, they've, they're, they're trying to be creative and think of ways to keep going. Mm. Uh, what she said, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows, isn't it? What she yeah. said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's have a touch of this. Hello, Ambridge3962. And let's dive straight in with a touch of Dusty. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Greetings to everyone in world of lockdown. Um, I hope everyone continues well and with uh, what we laughingly call our sanity intact. I suspect we're all struggling to a certain extent. I know I am, but all worth it. We will come through this. Anyway, um, over the last millions of years, I have probably been notorious for two things. One is my championing of Kenton Archer, who mm. is uh, possibly the only really uh, decent archer. And uh, also my complete horror that Shula is even considering candidating for the ministry. But uh, last night, darling Kenton uh, managed to speak for, well, certainly me and probably lots of us. He put his finger on all the right buttons and pushed them. And wow, didn't Shula react absolutely as we expected she would. Uh, so well done, Kenton. Round of applause. <laughs> That's probably it, really. But I uh, hope everyone continues well and speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> she doesn't seem to be, I don't know. She just, yeah, oh dear. I can't see it working, to be honest, at her being a vicar. And she, you have to really be quite thick-skinned, I think. And I have a friend who's a vicar and he said he spends 90% of his time apologising on behalf of the actions of people, religious people across the world that are absolutely nothing to do with him or his own faith. But he still feels called upon to, you know, um, apologise for them and explain them and everything else. And uh, yeah, she is very, she is very sensitive, as Kenton said. And although she does, she did put up with Jim when he was being vile to her, didn't she? So well, she must be slightly that, more... That's what I was going to say. She's developed full body calluses uh, yeah, yeah. since Jim. So, uh, and I and that was there, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, to show us her religious journey, or yeah. the, the the journey for her to be called to this mm. vocation, and the fact that she could weather that. But also, even though somebody has rejected her faith, mm. and also at the start rejected her as a person. She still, you know, she still 
continued to care and to be there for Jim. That's that's to show that she she's kind of doughty in her faith and in her and she's dogged really. Mm, yeah. So uh, totally with the benefit of hindsight, do you realise actually what they were setting us up for there yeah. to say that actually. She's made of the right-ish stuff but when it comes to being. You a- have to have a level of insight, and if she, if it came as a surprise to her that she was seen as controlling and sensitive, that doesn't say a great deal for her sort of insight, does it? Her own self-awareness, because to be able to work on your faults, you have to know that they're there, and she seemed to be completely startled by the fact that somebody might think she was sensitive and controlling and she is one of the most sensitive and controlling people on the planet. Mm-hmm. I had a big chat. Myself accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I had a big chat with uh, an uncle of mine just last weekend or weekend before last even. And uh, I've said this before, but one half of my family are big God botherers, my mm. mother's side of the family. And... Um, and I was talking about the the attitude that I think the rest of us non-Christians who are part of that family uh, think that the, the, the God-bothering lot, the Seventh-day Adventists that, you know, lock down every Friday night at sunset through to sunset on a Saturday, just like, you know, just like Jews and stuff and mm. whatever. And they're so pious that the attitude that they project to us. And he kind of stopped me somewhat slightly dead in my tracks because he did say that is your impression and maybe it's other impressions that we're all holier than thou and a little bit pious. But he says a good Christian is a work in progress and you're always looking back at yourself Mm. and trying to be a better person as opposed... and, and, And I've always thought that the best Christians were of any religion, the best adherents of any religion were the, were the people who slightly question and yeah. slightly question themselves as opposed, yeah. to the, as opposed to the ones that say, I've got all the answers. Yeah. Because my family, that they come over like, we've got all the answers, we're better than you, and, and they're up on mountain high. So I don't think Shula is that person. Because if you remember, when she first went to Alan with this, she was very, she went saying, I think I can do this. Alan asked her a couple of gentle questions and she massively wobbled. It knocked mm. her faith. Yeah. But then she came back. So I think we're all being a little bit mm. harsh on old Shula. Uh, but there's somebody who's harsher about, harsher about Shula than you or I. And this is New York Nigel. So let's go to him next because he really, like, first off, puts the boot in and then <laughs> ah, says, ah, you know, coming round. Anyway, here he is. In his own words, forget mine, folks. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Nigel here in New York. Things have been a bit busy over the last weeks. Uh, funny and lovely members of our congregation have died and several Aww. have the virus or they're recovering, thank goodness, including two physicians uh, um, and a nurse. I'm really appreciating and being thankful to Lucy and Roy Field and all the Dumpty Dum team. Thank you for making me laugh and keeping me relatively sane in the middle of all of this. And thanks for appreciating all the caller in It's such a lovely community 
your willingness to put yourselves out there is really moving. Having to be a streaming and recording and broadcasting vicar has made me so sick of my own voice. And <laughs> I look and I sound nothing like I imagined. I've got so much sympathy for Royfield when he says, oh, my God, it's doing that thing. So keep doing that thing, Royfield. You make us all feel like we're in this together. Quick word about Shula. I can't say I'm warming to her but I'm starting to understand her maybe. A few months ago, she might have been on my top 10 in Ambridge to wrestle with a virus, but I've changed my mind. I know there hasn't been much character development in the script, but I've got the feeling that the divorce helped to see herself a little bit like other people see her. She sounds younger somehow, as if she's going through a childhood I can't remember her having. And with a twin brother like Kenton, I'd probably be as horribly controlling and judgmental myself. Thanks, Witherspoon, for reminding us that The Archers doesn't know how to write a gay story. Surprise, surprise. Straight male sociopaths always get more nuances to them than any of the gay characters in The Archers have ever had. Mm. And we've only had two. <laughs> and a quick congratulations to Royfield's mum. Oh. I was ordained in the same cathedral, so we're sort of spiritual sister and brother. Aww. Thanks for everything. Hope to call in a bit more over the next weeks. Aww. Thanks for the props to me, Ma. Oh. I'll make sure she listens to this this week's episode just for that. So thank bishop you for that. Bishop Brown, I like to call her. <laughs> <laughs> She's hardly a bish. Uh, but, uh, she is in my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't remember Shula being a kid either because she would have been a kid uh, before I was born or when I just wasn't even listening even. Um, but... I do remember her being a young woman about town and going into Felpersham and whatever. And she was kind of racy-ish, mm. wasn't she? She went she out was. with Neil, didn't she? And also she was knocking about with the bloke at the estate agents and stuff. Like, mm. yeah, so, I don't know. She, the cat, she, she has gone on that stereotypical drama soapy tropey journey she has mm. you know to end up with her wanting to be a woman of the cloth um this isn't where she she's where she set out at all but her and caroline at one point were two peas in a pod and were mm. you know hopping in and out of bed with, mm. with, with various men and stuff so mm. anyway uh, thanks for the call new york nigel um so sorry to hear that some of your parishioners yeah. have uh, succumbed to the to uh, covid19 <sighs> that is terrible mm. Uh, moving swiftly on, uh, from New York, Nigel, uh, we have JR. Uh, don't know if it's Ewan or Hartley. We're going to figure this out after this call. Oh, God, here we go again. Hi, Lucy and Roy Fields and all the Dumpty Dummers. Uh, it's JR here. I'm a first time caller in her, but I have emailed in before a few months ago somehow i think my message was lost originally i'm oh, also from sorry. the upper lower east west side but hey. i've lived in london for most of my life i've been listening for about 11 years so i'm technically an annette my favorite archer's character is lillian and my favorite dumpty dum characters are witherspoon and babs and trev <laughs> i always thought that there's something a bit off about philip so May I add that I was also right, along with Royfield. My prop prediction for you is that during the Ambridge lockdown, 
Kirsty will start to realise that there's something amiss when she's stuck inside with Philip for weeks on end. And I also think Gavin's going to crack at some point. Uh, confine in Krusty, and then they'll both end up testifying against evil Philip. Anyway, that's all for me. Um, thanks for keeping me as sane as I was before the lockdown started. And bye for now. Bye. Bye bye. And uh, if if your email got lost, I'll, I'll hold my hand up to that. Um, unfortunately, um, if you use the contact us on dumdydum.com to send in your emails, 50% of the time it goes into my spam. And I, I'm much better at looking at my spam folder now. But there was a whole year plus where I just didn't. So there's a whole load of emails which uh, were lost to the oblivion that is my spam folder. <laughs> but so sorry about that, JR. Or Aditi's inbox, which is the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're on fire today, you. Well done. Well done. Uh, anyway, you were going to answer the meat and potatoes of her call. I was just talking uh, talking about the one specific bit which pertained to me being sloppy. So one over of, to you, Frida. One of the reasons that I am anxious, apart from my hurry-up driver, that uh, this um, uh, story, the Philip and Gav storyline, should be ended before we go off, they go off for a bit and then change the format is the idea that Philip and Gav are going to be shut in the house with Krusty and the boys, Kenzie and Blake and all the others, will are going to be left on their own because they haven't got any money, they haven't got any access to anything and they will therefore, you know, either starve to death or have to leave or have to do something and it will all happen in lockdown, which I kind of don't want because I think it would be a slightly bizarre, you know, I want him to be caught bang to rights just because he's a wrong and not because of the circumstances of the virus. So um, I would very much like uh, her, I would like it to be sorted out. Please, thank you, before um, lockdown hits Ambridge because, and also the idea of Krusty being shut in a house with somebody and how she'll feel about that when she knows. That's the awful thing. Every time she says anything at the moment where she says, oh, he's a good man, Robert, and all this, it just makes your skin crawl because you know that she's not going to think that in a fortnight's time or whatever it is. Ugh. Mm. Oh, uh, we have a call about this from Welsh Witch. No, not a call, an email. Um, it is obvious that the reason he was so stressed about Gavin's 30,000 wedding demand was because Gavin knew he had the money, but obviously Philip couldn't just produce that sort of money without raising suspicion with Kirsty. Similarly, he had to make up a plausible excuse for not employing Ed, as Philip couldn't run the risk of the other men talking to Ed and letting on the real situation. Just like in real life, I think that there are people who have bits of the information, but it will only be when they talk, probably quite casually, that the whole picture emerge. Personally, I think his downfall will come when Roy talks to Linda and their stories don't quite tie up. To be a good liar, a good memory is needed. Although I would love it for Joy to be an undercover police officer and somehow be involved in the surveillance of the Mosses. Mm -hmm. I've also had a thought about who would find lockdown hard and realise Shula and Peggy would be the only residents who would be on their own and wondered if the writers would take this opportunity to have Shula have a Jesus in the desert type experience. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. And uh, she said, I love the Zoom meetings as well. Thank you, Welsh Witch. Oh, can, can I just big up uh, our last Zoom meeting? Am I allowed? Yes. What do you mean, oh, are you cool. allowed? Well, I don't know. Because I, I, I've taken a slight back step 
in this this week's episode because I'm, <laughs> I'm just in awe of you generally and I'm definitely in awe of you now. So I just thought, you know what, I'll just button press and I'll just listen to Lucy. Uh, so, but just very quickly. Uh, so last Friday we had Hedley Nick um, who used to be, well, she still is. And that, and that was, the, oh, God, that yeah, was it. technically got, she still is, Kathy. Well, no, oh, no, yeah, Luce, we got what? a bit of a scoop. What? She's going to come back to go. She's going to, uh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, a, it broke on dum dum on our Zoom meet, you know. Wow. So, yeah. So um, she will come back, but she says, I'll come back to go. So, uh, so we had, there was 50 odd of us on there and she entertained us for an hour. Uh, it it was awesome. It was the first week, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, um, we do post the links on, not on Twitter, but if you DM us, uh, on Twitter, we then do give you the link. And also it's on Facebook and also on the Flick app. And I've got to say sorry to the people on the Flick app that I actually did post it, but I didn't hit send. So I did see the chatter afterwards. People saying, <laughs> bloody hell, where's the link for this thing? Because I've spoken about it. And I was like, oh, God, I didn't hit send. It was in the in like the speak, you know, in the text bit. I'm like, oh, God. But they had the word for all to go onto Facebook and uh, find the link. Anyway, we had a great hour. There's 50 plus of us. I think there's like 55 at its height or so. And uh, there was Kay, I think Katie Goff, Kay Goff, who got really so excited. You could see her literally shaking and quivering when people up with a spoon started speaking. She's like, oh my God, that's with a spoon. Oh my God, that's yoga there. And whatever. Uh, anyway, the whole point of me mentioning this is to say that not this Friday, but the Friday after, we have Charlotte Martin, who is uh, Susan Carter will be joining us uh, on the Zooms. And at the end of the show, I'll tell you about my fiendish idea Mm -hmm. for what I'm going to do with the Zooms because they've worked really quite well. Anyway, that's me uh, chatting. I'm all over and done. I'm spent, as you were, Freeman. Uh, Please continue. No, we've done now. All right, smashing. All right, I think the next caller is Merlin. I've got two buttons called Merlin here, though the waveforms are different. So, no, that'll be chaos. Okay, we'll take one at a time. Let's hope that this is Merlin. I'm going to. Oh yes, I know the reason why there's two, because his calls have been out of sync. Right, so one's called Merlin. Use this. So Merlin, we're using this one. (laughs) Hi, it's Merlin here from New Jersey. I'm really confused now. I'm completely out of sync. Yay. The message played in last week's Dumpty Dum was actually my message from the week before. So now I don't know if everyone will hear this message or hear last week's <laughs> message or maybe hear one from completely another time. Or the future. We may be just in complete Doctor Who world and everything time travel and I'm just confused. But ignoring that, last week I did say it did part of what I left as a message was to thank Lucy for her comments on Tim Brooke Taylor, fantastic comedian and very much missed. One yes. of the adverts we get for Dumpty Dum, because we're in America, is for a TV channel that brings British programs to the US and it's called Acorn TV. I can't watch it because it completely reminds me of another great comedian and Acorn Antiques oh, Victoria Wood. Yeah. Just fantastic. Anyway, Lucy, I also love you for your rant about disease and cancer. 
cancer and disease is not a fight. By saying it is, you hurt the families and those who are suffering from it. It's a heartless term and pulls people down. It's not good to use. So thank you. And then I have a plot prediction. I don't generally do plot predictions, but I have one. Basically, Kathy has been mentioned more times in the last three weeks than she has for the last three months or three years, possibly. So I think she's got to worry. I think this is an Eccles moment and she's going to get run over by Kenton before too long. Thank you for listening. Everybody stay safe. Oh, thank you, Merlin. Can you imagine call. if it was done like Eccles and Kenton backed over her <laughs> and said... Jolene, you don't think I really meant to kill Kathy, do you? <laughs> no, darling, of course I don't. <laughs> the most important thing about Merlin's calls is that I think he's now back in sync. Yes. <laughs> it must have been disturbing for him. It was. He, he was missing the cut by like an hour each time. Yeah. So, yeah. Because <laughs> now I've moved back over to the UK for a bit, our Merlin. We're actually are recording earlier uk time so yes. yeah you fall you fall in the wrong side of things but i think uh, if you just go a little bit earlier in the, on the monday you'll get in anyway no, so, I, mean, I am i am completely baffled about the times that people call in and the times that we do things so i don't surprise me in the least that you are <laughs> right oh, that's can oh, i do a yeah. quick email oh gosh um, yeah yeah another one on it. from no, jen no. Mm-hmm. who said i can't remember who it was that said any road um, in the arches Red last Ag- week. Oh, yeah. And somebody said, was it Red Ag- said, does anyone yeah. actually say that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen says, and also my friend said, because he lives in Nottingham, was, was born in, in Nottingham, and he said it's a Nottingham thing. And Jen said, I would just like to say that we definitely do use the term any road and indeed any road up. It's part of our local living dialect across Nottinghamshire, parts of Derbyshire, and at least into South Yorkshire, if not further. Any road, I'd best be off now. Love the show, Jen. (laughs) (sighs) Right, so that's cleared that any road stuff up. Now, um, Margot also lives in New Jersey. Same as our Merlin. They're probably neighbours. Oh, my God. They could be going to the same grocery store and not knowing who they are. Standing two metres apart and not knowing who they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Safe distancing, folks. But anyway, right, here's Margot. Let's hear what she's got to say. Good afternoon, Royfield, Lucy, and Dumpty Dummers all over the world. It's Margot from New Jersey. Let's start off with Roy and his cringing conversation over dinner with Kirsty, Philip, and Helen. Philip is really great at coercive control, and Roy obviously chose the wrong moment to question about Philip's and Blake's relationship. Kirsty really became defensive, so I do wonder if it's going to be Kirsty much like how Helen was constantly in denial despite a friend screaming to her that something is wrong with this person. Our friends can often see things in relationships that we are blind to see. Kirsty really needs to listen to Roy. Linda inviting Philip over was probably one of my favorite things during the week, although I really wish that Robert was able to land a punch. It's insane to me that Philip is so good at lying, and it only Mm. seems that Roy is the one that's on to him. I'm hoping that Tracy is eventually going to lose Roman. I think that he's no good, but then again, Tracy doesn't always seem to have the best choice in men. I'm going to cherish this week of The Archers. I don't know what to expect with the archived episodes, but after Roy Field last week saying that they aren't as good as we have come to expect, I'm worried that some of my most important part of entertainment and part of my routine will be changed. Let's hope that the scriptwriters get those new episodes out quick. 
I do wonder whose house is actually going to be the most interesting to listen to during their quarantine. You all have a wonderful week. Thank you, Margot. Mm. Uh, also, just quickly, and I did say this at the start of the show, but I don't think I've got this wrong, but the archive is only the last 20 years. That's Which is listenable. not too bad. Yeah, mm. that's listenable. It's when you go, I'd say, mid-70s and before, then mm. it's hard on the ears. You know, it's just the way it's directed, the way it's cut together, the pacing, everything. You feel like you're in a different world and mm. not in a good way. You just, it, <laughs> it, you know, it feels at times a little bit amdram. Not all the episodes, because we've heard the uh, the barn burning down. And that's great. That's yeah. great. Uh, but, yeah, some of them, as I said, the folk singing in the bull, a whole episode. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, uh, what do you want to say to our Margot, Lucy? Um, just that uh, I, th I agree with you. I find Philip's ability to just lie so glibly and almost convince himself um really chilling um because um, um what's his face rob didn't actually lie he just twisted the truth but philip's just so convincing you know when he says yeah no i said he was i, I said i was his uncle because it, they wouldn't let me into the ward otherwise and and that is you know that's realistic it's it's what you would expect someone to do it wouldn't sound wildly unbelievable um and the fact that this is all you know roy's gradual agonizingly slow uh, discovery of the truth coupled with the bump on the head just makes it that much more frustrating because it, roy isn't sure that what he's thinking is he knows something's not chiming right but he doesn't know if it's him or whether it's because his head feels a bit funny or because he's being overly suspicious because it's um Kirsty and he's very loyal to her and very protective of her you know this it's so it's just so convoluted it's not straightforward at all which is what's making it even worse I think it's yeah it's I hate it but it's being done really well mm. Mm. and I think we can safely say that our Philip is a sociopath because actually easy that I don't know I, I'm stepping into Witherspoon territory because you have to, to be able to commit the heinous crimes that he is doing, there's so much thought, uh, thought, thought in it. This isn't just a, you know, a crime on the spot. And he knows that society will not condone what he's doing. Mm. So, he's, so he's hiding. So he's, and he's operating on so many different levels. There is literally the, the slave driver and then there is the relationship he has with the one person who fully knows what the situation is, his son. Mm. So they have this really interesting relationship. Hence, as um, somebody said earlier on in the show, that uh, Gavin felt was very glibly like to give us 30 grand. It's not that he's holding it necessarily over his father, but they mm. share a secret. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, uh, so there's all of that. And then yeah. there is his public face where he wants to be accepted as a legitimate businessman, a pillar of the community. He doesn't necessarily want to stand out, but he wants to be yeah. part of the village and stuff. So um, he has to project that face. And, and the whole thing, 
is is very complex and actually I think very well done in terms of that. And you're completely right, Lucy, that uh, that Rob was was different because Rob's temper flared up in front of people all the time. Mm. You know, the hunt or yeah. in the bull. Yeah. You know, Rob couldn't contain yeah. his true nature. Yeah. Whereas Philip, we well, we don't even know what his true like. nature is. Is he is he a, a nice man with sociopathic tendencies, or is he a soci- sociopath with nice man tendencies? He's just sort of, you know, <laughs> it, I don't yeah. think he knows. It's ju- he's just so he's such a horrid, baffling, nasty character, but capable mm. of, you know, such sort of thoughtfulness. Yeah, he does love Kirsty. Of that, yeah. there is no question. But, there is no but, question. But how can he? You know. D- what what bit of his brain is it that's loving Kirsty that's also thinking it's okay to treat people like animals? You know, it's just yeah. Because he doesn't see them, he doesn't see them as equals. Yeah. And you know, I go off on tangents all the time and just have brain dumps, and you know, all my ethics and politics come flooding out. But the way that racism works is that. People who are different to you, you do not see them as being equal. They're just not. And that's the reason why you can then countenance treating them that way. His attitude is akin to that. Hence, horses. He calls them horses at least Mm. once a week offhand, the horses. Mm. So that justifies him treating them like beasts of burden. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he might say that Blake is, is a good guy. But actually, is a horse. His true feelings of these untermention, of these underpeople, are belied with his offhand comments to Gav. Gav is where you see the real Philip. He's much more, he has a temper. He is um, more strategic and thinking on his feet. You get that with Gavin. So he's like, um, is it a swan? So gracefully yeah. above water, feet paddling beneath it. Yeah, yeah. You know. So yeah. Mm, anyway, anyway, Horse. that's Margot. Oh, yeah, we've had a real little run of uh, of stateside dumpty dummers, and I think this is our last one now. It's our Witherspoon, and he's from the upper lower east west side. Over to you, Mister Spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers socially distancing around the world. It's Witherspoon <laughs> and Angus Haggis here. Let's talk about Robert this week. He is suffering not as much as Linda, but Linda is the identified patient and is working towards tangible goals. So in some ways, it's easier for her. Robert is a man adrift at sea. Previously, mm. I said or wrote the following. Robert is demonstrating the corollary of mansplaining, man fixing, but nothing he does works because, as Linda told him, he really doesn't understand her needs and isn't asking her what they are. So Robert winds up exploding at Philip. If another Ambridge resident heard the tale without the rest of the story, as a famous American radio storyteller Paul Harvey used to say, Robert would have been considered in the wrong. 
Question, should Robert have been bent out of shape about Philip addressing him by his first name? The only people we in America address by their surname are our parents, friends, and our prospective in-laws. Also, if we didn't know that Philip was the evildoer he is, would we blame him for the explosion because he went away for a long weekend with his fiancée and left his son in charge? Robert also exploded at Oliver. Both times he was projecting his anger at himself for not protecting his Lindy outwardly towards others. But we do know the truth, and Philip was deserving of Robert's anger. Robert believed he was in the right, but he didn't know how right he was. I liked how the scriptwriters played this on multiple levels. Mm. Well, that's all my pontificating for today. And remember, Royfield, I'm a psychiatrist, not a psychotherapist. I worked hard to get that MD after my name. Talk to you soon. I, I made that mistake on Zoom. That yeah, told you. you. Um, yeah, it's heartbreaking listening to Robert, I think. Um, uh, I, the, the, the thing about the, um, the names, if you are very uncertain of your ground with somebody, you would be cautious and call them, I would anyway, I would be cautious and call them Mr. or Mrs. something until I'd been given permission to call them their first name, but that would depend on how well I knew them. Obviously, I don't recall a time when Philip spoke to Robert Snell, so I don't know if they've already had that call-me-Robert conversation. I don't think they have, so it would make sense to me that he would be expected to call him Mr. Mm. Snell until he said, no, call me Robert, which he clearly wasn't going to do, especially in the situation that he's in. Mm. I would have played safe and said Mr. Yeah, and and when people speak uh, up through that class divide, and you definitely get it on the archers, it is Mr. Aldridge and Mr. Elliot. You do get that. Yeah. So so there's one thing that's always really, I always really notice when when I'm in, in the States is the deference that Americans actually have for people who have held any kind of office. Well, you so, said even football coaches. People go bananas yes, about football coaches. Yeah, totally. You always coach. Yeah. Um, if you were a mayor once, 50 years ago, you're still yeah. Mr. Mayor. Yeah. Ex-presidents are still Mr. President. Senators, congressmen, etc. And, you know, America stars itself as not having titles, you know, landed titles. But actually, they like them and they're mm. much more in common currency than they actually are in the United Kingdom. But they're more, it's meritocratic titles, isn't it? True, but we don't call Tony Blair Mr. Prime Minister. No. We call him Tony Blair. Mm. Not even Mr. Blair. He's no. Tony Blair. Yeah. You know, Margaret Thatcher wasn't your exalted highness. You, you once uh, ran the country for 13 years or however long it was. She was just... Margaret Thatcher when she when yeah. she left office, whereas Americans hold hold people up in in, in another light. And also, I, I've heard lots of no, but then they get but then she was made Lady Thatcher, and Tony no, Blair the, will be made. No, that that he? is true. That is true. That is true. They all get their honorary title, I think. Well, most but of them do. still, but still, I think my fundamental point remains: if you're the mayor of Bradford, and you did it in the nineteen sixties, mm. no one's calling you Mister Mayor now. No. Or Miss Mayor. Mm. They're just not. And I, so I slightly disagree with you there with the speaker. And the other thing which I 
I remember this is admittedly this is Canada, but for me, North America culturally, it's kind of all the same. Um, dropping Noah off the other day at university and his friends calling me sir, mm. you know, in a way that I don't think that would happen in the UK, you know, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on. That is with a spoon. Uh, love your um, calls every week, sir. And uh, you are a psychoanalyst. Oh, did I get it right? Psycho- Psychiatrist, yes. Oh, Jesus. There you go. Oh, <laughs> I'll get it right one day. Anyway, Verity, please come to the rescue. He's a psycho. like that. He's a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I'm... I'm a first time caller in a This is about my fourth or fifth time trying to record this. I'm calling from Edinburgh. My Archer's Vintage is probably, well, the first word I really remember is Siobhan and uh, Brian and the affair and her getting dying. That was the first one I remember, but I'm sure I listened to it much earlier than that because mum and dad have listened to the Archer's for years and years. Um, and I always remember growing up listening to it. The reason I call, I'm call, i calling in is because of the Tracy storyline uh, and the cricket team. I'm loving it, as usual. I love Tracy. But the funniest <laughs> thing I found was how she had the loud hailer and decided that Lee was going to be in charge and really angry with him. And she was just sort of making it like she was the fittest person in the world and <laughs> she was going to be great at it. And I noticed that she wasn't actually doing any of the exercises. Yeah. <laughs> so whether she was able to do them or not was another question. But I just wondered what everyone else thought about her doing that. I hope you're all keeping safe, hopefully. Uh, we'll be able to keep enjoying the actors while lockdown happens. Later. Bye. Welcome to the gang, Verity. Um, I think <laughs> I I I found it hugely annoying the bit, the cricket bit. But I did. I will forgive anything that's got Tracy in it. And when she said indignantly that you you can't just stop, you can't just give up fags quickly. It's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. She when she's indignant and defensive. That's my favorite. Indignant defensive Tracy is my favorite Tracy. Um, <laughs> and she was just running around the outside with a with a megaphone, shouting at the others. Well, she well, was sat know. down in a chair, shouting at the others. Yeah, <laughs> so Cecil B. DeMille style with a, with a <laughs> megaphone. No, I did, I did like it, but I just think though, getting getting Lee to do it was is this just ridiculous? But at the moment, I'm finding all storylines that are not moving us closer to busting open the Philip and Gav storyline annoying, as everyone knows. So there we go. Verity, thank you for that. Um, welcome to the team. Said that before. I'm repeating myself, as is my one. Quilted Bunny, you're up next. Uh, morning, uh, Quilted Bunny here. Uh, Royfield and uh, Lucy were wondering when uh, Ambridge last won the Orchester and District Cricket League. It would have been <laughs> the 13th of September 1997. It was the day that Josh was born. 
and uh, Ruth went into labour that morning. So David had to zoom off to Borchester General. Eddie, as perennial 12th man, would have probably taken his place in the team. Uh, Ambridge needed to win uh, the final game of the season. They did so and... Uh, It must have been a a straightforward uh, berth because David was back in the uh, bowl, joining in the celebrations and shouting, it's a boy, it's a boy. So there we are. Uh, The 1997 season, ever since then, when you know sometimes they've even ignored the cricket team altogether one or two years but they've uh, they, they've decided that it was more fun uh, to uh, take the mickey out of the cricket team uh, struggling and what have you but uh, hopefully this year uh, Tracy will sort oh them nope. out sort Ended them out for yes. You there. yes thank you Mr Bunny I don't know how you remembered that that's amazing Thirteenth of September, nineteen ninety-seven. Bloody hell! Well, that's quite a while ago, is it not? Yes. Considering Mm. there's how many teams: Grange, Spinney, Penny, Hassett, Darrington. Who else is there in that? Little Croxley. Yeah, Little Croxley. Uh. Oh, we're going to have emails now. (laughs) (laughs) And we had Grange, Spinney. Yes, she said that. Yeah, all right. So how many is that? We've got, we counted maybe six teams, including Ambridge, five or six Mm. teams. To have not won it in 23 years in a six-team league is pretty poor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They need to give it up, I reckon. Yeah, but they usually end up fielding Peggy Woolley and God knows who else. (laughs) No wonder, really. I had forgotten that Eddie was the 12th man. Like when Quilty Bunny said that, I was like, oh God, yeah. He always yeah. used to turn up, but he he never actually really played. I had forgotten that. I remember John Archer was the star, wasn't he? Yeah. John yeah. was just like yeah, athletic and yeah. swashbuckling yeah. and whatever. So, yeah. mate. Oh, and there you go. Two years after their last, the last time they won the league, he died. That's the reason right. why. Oh. Oh. Mm. oh, John. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, from Quilted Bunny and his almanac, his cricketer's almanac. Oh, copy of Wisden. That's what he had. He's got his copy of Wisden. Uh, we go to Tony and he's got some stuff to say. So, Tony, say your stuff. Hello there, it's Tony. Occasional Tony that phones in now and again and call her in. Um, I can't really remember why I'm calling in. It's taken me so long to make an application. But yes, that was it. This Philip, the wrong'un, and the wheels seem to be falling off his wagon, which is a very good thing. But I was trying to actually see the business case for his slavery, and I was thinking it must be very small beer. Then I worked out that each slave is probably worth £500 per week. He's got three of them. That's £1,500 a week, which is about £75,000 a year. Say his costs are 15000 to keep them running. That gives him 60k profit. You can see why Gavin wanted his 30000 for the uh, silly wedding in uh, far-fun places. Mm. That's, uh, so it is a considerable crime. Anyway, I'd like to say how much I enjoy Royfield's uh, uh, 
uh, rants on social injustice. I may not always agree with them, but they are so eloquent and heartfelt. And uh, I think Lucy's little uh, true crime series are are very lovely. Thank you for doing them, and I'm really appreciating things. (laughs) Hope it's going well with you guys, and uh, speak soon, I hope. Bye for now. Bye. I love Occasional Tony. Occasional Tony is now my new favourite caller in the round. (laughs) Because he just bigged you up. And you. Well. No, it just sounds very nice. And I like anybody that begins the call with the words, I've forgotten why I'm ringing. (laughs) (laughs) I was just saying to Royfield, off air, ladies and gentlemen, that my short-term memory is now shot to shit. I don't know what's happened. But apparently, I've talked about it with my friends because I thought that I was in the grip of early onset senile dementia. And they said, no, 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 it's it's the lockdown. Everyone is running at a sort of a low level anxiety that is just keeping 95% of their brain occupied. So you've only got 5% of your brain left to remember what you opened the fridge for. So I'm doing a lot of going back <laughs> into the room I just came from going, oh, that was it. And then going back out again. I'm doing that a lot at the moment. Mm. So, um, yes, if you are too, don't worry. You're not going crackers. Or if you are, we can both go crackers together. Awesome. And uh, uh, Tony, I fully appreciate your kind words about my little, my little rants. Some people call them ill-considered and jumbled. Uh, but you call them eloquent. So I'm going with your description of my thoughts. Uh. And also, Tony, I'm not sure that Philip would actually be spending 15 grand a year on his chaps because they don't seem to get fed very much. They're living somewhere awful. Three of them all crammed into somewhere very small. So, Mm. you know, I doubt, I'm not even sure it would be that much really. But yes, that's clearly why it's, you know, worth his while taking such an enormous risk. Silly arms. Mm. Right, that's Tony and our last caller in Can we do an email before the last oh, caller okay, in the Oh, okay, right? yes, all right. Yeah. Sonia Scaffron, this is. Uh, this is called Ancient History because she's listening to old Dumpty Dum podcasts and she wants a um, update from episode 42 because apparently we play. This is always like this is like doing something when you're drunk and you can't remember it. You and Lucy played shag, marry, kill with these results. Royfield, you said you would shag Kate reluctantly, but the thought of the yoga flexibility sealed the deal. She said, <laughs> "Marry." We didn't say. She says, but the choice is so obvious. Both at the time you did repeat the name, so that was Fallon. Mm. And kill was Clive Horobin. And I said I would shag Ed which Sonia doesn't believe, um, that I would marry a civil partnership with Lillian <laughs> and I would kill Clive Horobin. So we were both of us clearly quite anti-Horobin at the time. Mm. Um, so I have, I, she said, uh, is there an update? Mm. So it's shag and marry and kill. Okay. I'll go first-ish. Well, let, let's go one for one on this. So my shag is still actually, I think it's still Kate. Really? Yeah, shag. Okay. You know. Yeah. For, for no, all mine's the reasons that I said before. Mine is still Ed. Okay. Mary. Alistair. Just to annoy Shula, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've now completely fallen in love with Alistair. I think he's lovely. Mm. It's probably still Fallon. Really? Who else is there? He's a bit, bit minxy like in Ambridge. Oh, God, no. No, no. Um, no. 
could I see you with? Oh dear, no. It's not good, is it? I tell you what, right? Um, after just interviewing Emerald the other mm. day, not only is she a stonkingly good actor, mm. like she's just brilliant. Yeah. And the way that she she spoke about deconstructing doing the voice yeah. of Emma, yeah. that this was the previous actor's uh, creation. Yeah. But she is the daughter of Susan. So she has to sound like Susan, but not too much like Susan because she's, you know, and it's a handover from the from the other actor that, that played her before she went off to Hollywood, etc. A lot of these actors are kind of wasted on radio. Like she, I, I, like I've she seen She looks like Audrey Hepburn. And she looks incredible, a little, yes, and a little bit kind of elfish, a little bit elfish mm. and just so incredibly young. Like I can't believe she's 32. Mm. Have you seen Perdita Avery? Yes. Blimey. And and also Ben, the actor that plays Ben Archer, yeah. Ben Norris. What a handsome young man. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. my God. Yeah. You know, again, it's one of those times I had to slightly check my sexuality. I went, oh, no, I am straight. But, like, I, you know, like, what a handsome, handsome man. Um, yeah, and, and, and a lovely human being as well. And you just, so, yeah, so... The reason for me to bring that up is that I've, I can slightly get mixed up now actually speaking to some of the actors and going, can you actually know what they look like as yeah. well? So it's, it's, so it's to completely put that line between... So are you saying that you would now marry Emma? No, 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 no. But I can now see Emma as Emerald. Mm. So it's slightly confusing things oh, in my no, mind. Oh, no, I can't. No, 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 no. I've spoken to Emerald and I still can't. When I think of Emma, I don't see her as Emerald. Mm. Well, I must admit... I do see Kate as Perdita, though. Yes. Yeah. Except I think Perdita is what Kate would like to look like if she ever brushed her <laughs> sodding hair. <laughs> Who are we going to kill? Well, it's easy. It's Philip Moss, yeah. Yeah. I think the kill is just the baddie of the time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not Matt Crawford. Because you'd always give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but you're a likeable <laughs> you rogue. Give, you, give, <laughs> you give him a couple of hours to get out of the country and then send the police off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we've been pretty consistent. Though I think the whole point of her email was you always going on saying that you don't like Ed and that he's, you know, got a, got an intelligent bypass. If it was If it was more than that, then, then mm. I would marry him, but I, I'm not going to marry him because he's an idiot. But I imagine he's an idiot with big shoulders and a good bottom, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what about Chris Carter? Everybody likes a bit of Chris, don't they? No, no, he's too much of a twonk. Mm. No. But isn't that your chief uh, crime against uh, Ed, that you think he's a bit no, of a No, because Ed's at least brave, and Chris Carter can't even sort his own missus out. Well, she's clearly got a massive alcohol problem, won't let him talk about the thing that matters most to him in the entire world. Um, you know, he's just sort of been bullied by women all his life. Wow. All right. Yeah. Okay. Just saying. Oh, we make a powerful argument for saying that Chris Carter is crap. Well done, you. All right, so now, last call winner of this week's uh, Star Spangled episode of uh, Dumpty Dum. Star Spangled because there's so many Americans on here. 
There you go. Not because you had any stars on. Oh, well, I suppose Lucy's a bit of a star. I'll oh, keep going on about this. I can be the star, you can be the spangle. <laughs> it's better than grouting, <laughs> what you just cooked last time. <laughs> Here's Fiona. She's in Pennsylvania. Hello, Dumpty Dummers worldwide. Fiona here. The Fiona who only calls in about once a decade, as that's the gap between my finding anything useful to say. But Kirsty and her current situation. I've known two cases of people walking away virtually physically unscathed from terrible incidents. My brother was in the bomb squad when a device blew up in his face, and a friend who was a Red Arrows pilot when his plane crashed. In both incidents, it was not their fault, and they walked away with minor injuries, but both of them were immediately let go, told that because they'd experienced something deeply traumatic, that they had lost the ability to completely trust their work. Love is like that, and I know. Nearly 20 years ago, I had a triple disaster. A man betrayed me, I recovered and moved on, a man who was dear and trustworthy was killed in a car crash, and after that, a man betrayed me worse than the first one had. And oh. after shock number three, I decided I was done. Like mm. the Red Arrow pilot who cannot get back into a plane, romantic love and I were through. Kirsty is about to face her third shocking incident. Being left at the altar, terrible miscarriage, and now the imminent betrayal of Philip and I think she will turn around and decide no more romance. But please don't say, ah, sad, because I think she's destined to become the doer of the village, the Linda Snell-like organiser, only without the sniff or attitude that Lindy once had. And if she's like me, she won't be bitter or sad, but she'll find joy in her solo existence. She'll find joy in being the one that others turn to, an admired, older, single heroine. And in years to come, she'll suit that role really well. Helen, on the other hand, whether single or not, will turn into the old, uptight, judgmental bore that is her destiny. So, chin chin, here's to us happy single women. Mm. Yay! I completely agree with that. I think I think Kirsty will just yeah. <laughs> Kirsty's too good for men. Mm. I think Fiona made a very powerful and persuasive case for keeping Kirsty single. Mm. Yeah. And but let's just hope that if that is the case, then she does have good friendships and has really strong companionships with key people in the village. But she will, because she's nice. But she can also be a bit bullshit. Yeah, you know, but remember, she's only... She can be, she can be. Mm. But I don't know if they're setting us up for um, a very slow coming together with her and Roy. You know, let's say if Roy was to discover this, um, to work out that Philip is a modern slaver. Mm. You can imagine that as he's zooming in on this, it's going to upset Kirsty. As he reveals it, she's going to hate him yeah. initially. Yeah. yeah. Because it's going to bring her yeah. world crashing down. Mm. And. And you could clearly see that then, if that was then to be the case, that it's been foreshadowed with the reminding us of their friendship with 
um, the wedding planning that Roy's doing, etc. So yeah. it's set up for that. And then she's going to feel stupid. Mm. He will then console her as a friend. Mm. And then it'll be months of kind of nothing as that storyline is then kind of over. The ramifications and the aftermath are kind of dealt with. And then it comes back in six months' time. And then they just are interacting and then slowly but surely yeah, 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 they yeah, become no, yeah. they become closer. Yeah. And it and potentially it's set up for that because of their triangular relationship with Tom. Mm. Yep. Tom, uh, I'm with Kirsty now. What? Or will Tom turn around and say, Good on you, mate? Mm. You know. So yeah. yeah. Either either one of the two scenarios work for me. Yeah. You know, but yeah, maybe I'm too heteronormative. I just think somebody going through life by themselves is a little bit sad. But I would say it says more about me than, than anybody else. I fully appreciate that. So initially I think, oh, that's a bit sad. But if she's happy, good luck to her. But she's tried three times to go through life with someone else. It's been a disaster. How many more times do you try before you think maybe this isn't for me? True, true. As I said, it says more about me than anything else. And it's just my initial reaction. I just go, oh, but like, you know, everybody should have, you know, that wonderful relationship and skip off happily, you know, in the meadow, holding hands and whatever and blah, blah, blah. So mm. either way, just don't write her act. I love me some Kirsty. Mm. Uh, so we've we got, we got email. Oh, we have another one. Can we, we do from deluged? Jackie who says, long-time listener, I think I'm an Ed when he went off the rails back in the late 90s. I think Philip will convince Krusty that Roy has mental health issues or effects from his concussion that mean he's confused and not thinking straight, hence his mistakes over Blake. Roy will either bring Blake up with Krusty and she will tell him she's worried about his behaviour towards Philip or Krusty will approach Phoebe over her concerns for Roy's health. Keep up the good work, Jackie from Bath. I think you're right, otherwise we wouldn't have had this... This um, we wouldn't have had this uh, this um, concussion storyline. Plus, it's got to be something to do with the phone, because that phone has been mentioned. Mm. That phone should be in the shape of, uh, you know, a massive red herring. Otherwise, because it's been talked about such a lot, mm. it has got to be in it. I mean, yeah. that's it's too much of a red herring. Yeah, yeah, true that. And as you said, it's set up with him having the knock on the head and being all forgetful. Yeah. So him losing his phone is going to be like, oh, he yeah. just, you know, come on, Roy. You know, you had a, yeah. you had a bump on the head. Uh, so, all right, that's that. Uh, we're, we're in the final straight of the show. Uh, it's time for us to chill, um, have a quick camp coffee break. Uh, go kiss the, go pat the dog. There you go. Pat the dog, stroke the cat, then come back the other side and you'll have a touch of the yokels. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Yoko Bear here calling with the social media roundup for the week. And we've reached that point of lockdown. Is it week five, week 10? I don't know. We've reached a point where I'm literally doing the social media roundup from my bed. So there you go. What have we got to talk about this week? Well, we saw a very different side to Tracy this week, didn't we? I was a little bit disappointed. She turned into a bit of a tyrant, a bit of a lazy tyrant, because she was just sat in the chair directing operations for the cricket match. And that very strange training session that Lee gave... Hmm. Anyway, what did people think about it? Well, Jan Mitchell said... I'm not real pleased with Tracy right now. Don't you go messing with my my Jolene there, Tracy. A more mature woman coming out for the local amateur cricket team should be applaud, applauded and not pushed out. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jan. I mean, what did she say? Natural selection. It was all a bit <laughs> rude, wasn't it? Darcy uh, Jorgensen said she was a bit, a wee bit to Tracy. Um, she somehow wrote in Lee, I don't think he had any idea what he got himself in for. Yeah, he was completely oblivious at the end, wasn't he? Just like, oh, didn't you tell them that's what I was going to do? But Darcy goes on to say she was just plain disrespectful and just plain mean. Aside to Tracy, that uh, will always be there. um, But I don't like her seeing her bully her own people. Um, Yeah, and I think, I don't know, is Tracy a bully? Maybe, no, just... Do you know what I think it is? I think it's a complete lack of self-awareness mixed with enthusiasm, which is also mixed with a really competitive nature. Yes. I think it's you put her into this kind of situation is a really bad mix. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom DeYong said... Um, the team will fragment into the hobby fragment, sorry, into the hobbyists and the wannabe professionals. The hobbyists will quietly find another pastime, and the wannabe professionals will be left without a full team. Attilian Corrigan said, looking forward to what we know is coming, I'm just a bit worried that they're going to be taking up hospital beds that will be needed for when COVID finally <laughs> hits Ambridge. Yeah, because by the end of it, it was just like, God, is, is Jolene, she pulled her back out? What's going on? Um, but also as well, Melissa Williams, I think, talking about um, COVID, she said, look, it's not really worth discussing what's going to happen with the cricket team because this next um, time next month, there won't be cricket. 
there won't be the ball, there won't be Grey Gables, etc. Um, it'll yeah, obviously it'll be all, all be different because of these the way that they're recording. So yeah, I think there's there's something in that. Um now the other thing that happened, talk about people acting out a character, Robert did not see that coming. Fight mode activated. <laughs> yes. Um, what do people think about it? Well, Lindsay Williams said, people have those kind of meltdowns and nervous breakdowns when there's an audience left to one's own devices. What's the point of shrieking and throwing a fit? Um, yeah, I agree with you up to a point, Lindsay, but there have been times when <laughs> I've shrieked and thrown a fit when I'm completely on my own. Don't know whether that's just me. But yeah, but I think he was just pushed to the limit, wasn't he? He was just like, and yeah. everything that Robert's doing is coming from a place of good intention, just not really thought through. Um, and talking of kind of, you know, who he threw the punch at, Al Williams said, I think Philip is actually worse than Rob Titchener. He focused all of his evilness on Helen, so he wasn't all bad. No, I'm not sure that I agree with that, no. Al, but let's go with it. But Philip is keeping vulnerable people as slaves whilst pretending to be a cuddly, jovial Welshman. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I absolutely agree. I think it's two different kinds of bad, isn't it? Um, I do know. There's a bit of me that wonders whether Philip's actually convinced himself that he's doing the right thing somehow. Yeah. Which obviously isn't. Can't wait for the comeuppance. Um, now, we've also got a comment here for, I think it might be a first-time poster um, from, I'm sorry if I've mispronounced that, Royfield Brown. Now, Royfield, new poster, I think, um, said that two weeks ago, uh, he said two weeks ago that Robert had been suffering and had been through a horrendous experience. He's been at his wife's side as she nearly died. Added to that, that he's having no counselling, he's feeling dreadfully powerless and alone. His reaction to Philip made sense and was foreshadowed and predictable. Yeah, do you know what, Royfield? I completely agree with you there. I think you should comment more on the archers. You seem to <laughs> seem to have a bit of a feel for it. <laughs> um, I also agree with Rosie Glynn when she said, I think Robert tried to kick scumbag Philip out of the house and failed um, until someone, in brackets, Joy, is able to uncover the crimes that Philip and Gavin committed, Robert will not be understood. <laughs> now, the thing that I really agree with you there, Rosie, is Joy. She is perfectly placed to start asking questions and not letting go. This could be the reason why Joy's there. This is the, the way that Joy could be properly integrated into the, uh, into the village. And I'm getting to like Joy. Sorry if there's any Joy haters out there. Um, I'm getting to quite like her. Uh, but there you go. Um, so many other things. If you look on our Facebook page, we've talked about um, um, Philip, um, sorry, Philip um, Shula and her bishop's interview. Yet yeah, nobody's really interested. Um, and many other things. So that's the social media roundup for the week. And I will see you in two weeks. And next week you have the lovely Millie Bell. Bye. Bye, Bye -bye, Mr. Bear. Awesome as always. Uh, Our Luce, do you want to give us some mirror headlines? Thank you very much. I gave birth in the Sainsbury's car park. We tried to flag down an ambulance, but they thought we were cheering them. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and 
as we know, I don't do the Facebook, but someone sent me this and it made me cry with laughing. Um, <clears throat> it's headed coffin description. It's in the, I think there's a, some sort of for sale bit or something. Coffin description. My nan didn't die. So we are selling the coffin we purchased last Thursday. It is five foot four inches long and in as new condition. <laughs> Social distancing may be difficult on collection as it's quite heavy. We put my granddad in it to see if we could lift it in a practice run. But if you bring four people, it should be okay. Fits in any hatchback with a little <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of the granddad being told to clamber in it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh, right. <clears throat> okay, tweets of the week. Kerry mm-hmm. Warbis. They're playing the Robert being a suffocating fusspot thing really well. He's suffocating me and I'm in Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joanne Salmon. Any weaknesses, Shula? Yes, my main weakness is that I'd make an absolutely shit vicar. <laughs> uh, Rich Cuts. Leave him, Robert. He ain't worth it. Actually, give him a quick kick in the balls from us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Claire, key worker, Williams. What we want is for Harrison to gate crash the nuptials with Philip Moss. I am arresting you for being a gangmaster, utter bastard, and a total embarrassment to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the cleverest tweet of the week All right. ever. You ready? Yep. Go. It's from Helen. Pray, Helen, not Archer. She says, Shula faces the bishops head on, forgetting that they can only move diagonally. (laughs) Genius! Well (sighs) done, well done, well done all. Oh, goodness. I've got some news, Lucy. Um, (laughs) I'm mailing this uh, to you. Um, I have slightly road tested this with three uh, dum-de-dum listeners. Okay. Uh, but the Zoom chats, I think, apart from the old man playing his downstairs banjo and the neo-Nazis yeah. and, and the porn, put that all to one side. <laughs> but, apart from that, <laughs> apart from the porn, the Nazis and the masturbating, it's been going really well. <laughs> but we've had two which have gone really well. Yeah. And <laughs> I think the format works. I have a little bit of a chat with with the actor and then we have a quiz in between. Then we have a, a Q&A and people can ask, ask their questions. And uh, it lasts for uh, an hour. So what I'm going to do, folks, is um, in, two week, in a week and a half's time, you'll get Charlotte Martin, our Susan Carter, on, on air. But when the coronas are over, I'm going to move this just for Patreon and PayPal subscribers. The format works really well, and and I think it's much better than just saying to people, you get a special podcast of me just chatting to one of the actors or a writer that does the show. Oh, yeah, show. so you get to join in. Exactly. You're ah, You'll get to like join it. in. It's much yes. better. You get to see them, interact with them, ask questions. It's a much richer experience. So that's what... I am going to do so but it will only happen when when the lockdown is over 
so I don't, people saying, oh, bloody hell, it's just one way of stiffing us so that you, you have to pay to get this. Because I, because I, I didn't think of this at all when I set up do, doing this, but it's just worked so well. And I can see, especially, you know, the, the last couple um, that, and also the fact that we're having like 50, 60 people online all mm. at once, you know, yep. it's, it's a lot of people. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. And, and it's great. You know, so that's what we're going to do. If you sorry, are... I forgot. By the way, everybody, I forgot on Friday. I'm sorry. I was talking to my friend, and I suddenly looked at my watch and realised it was twenty past seven. And then I thought I'm a bit late now, and then it would look really rude if I just turn up. So I didn't. So I'm sorry, but I will try and do it on Friday. I'll try and remember. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Sorry. Um, the other thing to say is, if you are a, um, if you can't make it, sorry. Um, I will post them onto YouTube, but keep the links private. So it won't be on the official YouTube channel. So you'll still get value if because of time constraints, whatever, you physically just cannot uh, get uh, onto the live stream and you've paid your money, you'll still have access to it, exclusive access. So I'll just unlist the link and I will email you the link. So uh, so you'll still get value from being part of Patreon or a recurring payment on PayPal. As I, And as I said, I just think that it's just so much better value uh, than you just getting um, an extra podcast with, with an interview. So that's what we're going to do. But we'll only do it after the lockdown. As soon as it's uh lifted then we'll start instituting that because we also do have um a, a decent relationship now with uh the bbc archers kind of like um kind of press room and stuff and uh except that we're still not on their link of affiliated we're things. not we're not and i must admit i i i have to give up worrying about that so we have a great relationship with sean harwood over there at the bbc in the Archer's office in Birmingham. And he got us uh, the interview with Ben and with Emerald. And that all went through with them. So with that in mind... Thank you, Sean Harwood. Yeah, you, you've been a total... You paid a total blinder there, mate. So that's what I'm going to do. So if you would like to make sure that as soon as the coronas have been lifted, the corona lockdowns have been lifted, uh, that you get access to those interviews go on to patreon.com and it's two dollars per show is what you donate and and then you'll get emailed with the time of the zoom meets going forward and if you can't make them you'll get emailed with the link of the recording so you can still watch it from the comfort of your laptop ipad mobile phone or whatever so that is a rock solid reason for going on to Patreon or going on to uh, PayPal and giving us a recurring payment. Um, why don't you uh, read the other stuff there, Lucy? Because uh, I'm spent. <laughs> it's always vaguely upsetting when you say that. Um, uh, and uh, remember, to get in contact with us, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or you can call 0203031305 to leave us a message. You can find Yokel Bear at Dumpty Dum, uh, where he is at much cleverer than us. And Lucy is at Lucy <laughs> Freeman. And Royfield can be found. At Royfield. Yay. Oh, and I've got another, um, well, me and Harriet have got another thing coming out 
Um, when is it going to go up, Mr. Brown? Um, it will go up two days after this. Um, okay. You've got, folks, a whole load of content coming your way because not only are you going to get uh, Lucy and Harriet's latest dramatic instalment, you're going to have the email interview of Emerald which I need which I'm going to put out at some point also with Ben Norris who plays Ben Archer that's going to go up and Royfield's new boyfriend that is yep absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and then um that's what you should have said in Shag Mary Kill mm, that's a step step too far is it me. yeah 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 what, killing him <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then also uh, the recording which you did with Headley, Headley Nicholas, uh, on Friday. Which, I, but I'm also going to put up on YouTube as well, because it's it's great to be able to see all the dum de dummers on their various tiles and then asking their questions as well. So in the next two weeks, there's going to be a lot of dum de dum content, and it's all going to be free content. It's going to be up on YouTube or you'll get it in your RSS podcast feed. Uh, but ju- just bear with us. So, And then what I think I'm then going to do going forward when the coronas have been lifted, the interviews which were made available just to the Patreon listeners, the old interviews, so me speaking to Charles, who plays Brian, etc., which were done last year, Lexi and, and so on, Annabelle, who plays Kirsty. I'll slowly just release those onto our podcast feeds as well, because I think the focus of the Patreon, there's so much value in Zoom, in those Zoom meetings, that um, we should keep those for people who uh, support the show financially. Um, and then, because Lucy's not going to say Facebook, go there, Facebook, and have some Facebook action with Yokel Bear, Merely Bell, and with the Spoon doing their thing. Now, Lucy, it's the end of the show, and... Um, I believe you have an email which pertains to rounding off an episode of Dum Dum. This is Melanie Matthews, who said um, that she is suggesting the Skimmity Hitchers uh, and their song West Country Holiday. Uh, it's not a bloody holiday, in brackets. Uh, full disclosure, the, the Skimmity Hitchers have not only been my favourite band for the last 10 years, but four years ago, my partner, always a rock god to me, was recruited to join them when their old guitarist left. So I was involved in the camera work for the guitar bits. Um, uh, I wondered whether Coriander and James, uh, no, it's Leonie and James, um, would escape from London to stay with Linda and bring the coronavirus to Ambridge. My other coronavirus-related plot prediction is that Philip and Gav will get the virus and end up not being able to leave the house and his boys will be found starving, locked up somewhere. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, thank you for Dumpty Dum, which is keeping my spirits up during my commute to work in a prison. Lockdown is pretty grim out here, but it's a whole other thing for the guys behind bars, so it can be a pretty stressful job. Love to you and Lucy, Mel. Love back, Mel, and my God, you are doing a tough job good lord mm. um yes uh, chin up if you can and um hopefully it will all be over soon and here is i feel like a radio 2 dj and now to get you through the commute it's the skimmity hitchers <laughs> <laughs> so if that was me i'd have done it like pirate radio style special shout out going out like to the ambridge posse yeah i'd have, I'd have dropped it like that 
and then yeah, asked about have understood what you were talking about. I think, right, you've got a bit of a low opinion of the cultural breadth and dexterity of our listenership. Just so. Mm. Okay. I was sat in my Chelsea flat Reading about coronavirus I said that that won't affect me, no Cause I'm a proper King Midas I saw the poor folk and the nurses The people struggling mentally But I just looked ahead As I jumped in my Bentley Whoa, whoa On the road to my second home On the Lizard Peninsula I'm laughing and I'm loaded up With bog road, coke and folly It's a frightening pandemic But I'm just on a jolly Oh no, 
Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.